Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next, actually two guests. I have a gentleman, Andy Stanton, and another gentleman, Brian Tibbs. These guys are affiliated with a company called, or I, I guess I should say an organization called Ardeo Global. Brian is actually the CEO, and Andy is coming in as the mobilization coordinator for the CrossFit side. So we've got some interesting sort of cross-pollination happening here. And um, I have the opportunity to learn a little bit about these guys. Andy reached out to me. Uh, wanting to uh, connect on the CrossFit side to see what maybe we could get going here in Phoenix. And so I guess we'll learn together what Ardeo Global is all about and get a little bit of background information on these gentlemen. So welcome in, guys. Thank you. So good to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jason. Yeah, man, for sure. I was really intrigued when I got the phone call. I wasn't really sure how it all came together. I know I've been you know, asking you guys a little bit of questions in the pre-interview, trying to understand what it is that you're doing. But right. um, before we jump into that, um, maybe, Brian, if you would just give us a brief overview of what um, Ardeo Global is all about, and then we'll travel all about, and then we'll travel back in time and collect a little bit of background information on you okay. guys, so that everyone can sort of connect with you guys and know what what you're about as people and how you came to be the men that you are today. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, Ardeo Global is an organization that trains missionaries, and we send them all over the world um, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Um, we're a faith-based organization, a Christian organization. And um, our, uh, we have this CrossFit angle that we're working uh, where we have an actual affiliate in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And we're using that affiliate to reach into the, the, the slums or the, the favelas of the community of Rio de Janeiro. And, and again, just trying to make an impact on, on kids' lives. And, and hopefully the, the impact that we make on their life will be an impact that they can make on somebody else's life. And we can just see that. Uh, reverberate through that community. So that's just a nutshell of, of what we're all about. So where does the CrossFit angle sort of fit within that guideline or that mission or that purpose? So um, we have a guy on our team. His name is David Bassett. He's the head coach of our uh, affiliate down there in Rio. And he, one time I was just sitting talking to him and, and we were talking about the potential of doing this, this CrossFit, this CrossFit work in the community and using you know, not just having an affiliate, but using the CrossFit affiliate as a way to make an impact on the community, right? In, in, a, in a deeper way. I mean, cro we all know that CrossFit has a deep impact on the people that engage with it, right? One of the most beautiful things about CrossFit is its community. And we were just kind of brainstorming, well, how can we translate that into reaching into people's lives who, one, can't afford to come to an affiliate ever. Uh, and two, that maybe wouldn't even if they could, cause they didn't know about it or whatever. How can we get outside of the walls of our box and actually make an impact in the community? And he was just kind of dreaming a little bit and he goes, man, I, I just really love serving people. And I just really love being fit and working out and, you know, d crashing on the floor and dying. And how can, how can we, <laughs> how can is, we do yeah. those things? Welcome to CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To exactly. Cross. How can we do those things together? And that's where we came up with this concept of there are there are kids and I don't want to steal your your thunder but the statistics are staggering of what's happening to these these kids so between the ages of 14 and 18 or 20 in these neighborhoods the statistics I'm going to steal no, your go thunder. ahead go ahead please do um, the statistics <laughs> are they're more likely to die before they're 21 than they are to graduate from high school and so our hope is that we can get to them in that age range where they're at that crossroads and they're they're deciding well, which direction is my life going to take 
they get them off the streets when they're not in school and put them through the rigors of CrossFit. And while we're doing that, mentor them and guide them and train them. And, and we also have a, a language school. So we want to teach them English, which is going to give them a huge advantage. They could get tourism jobs or, you know, jobs at, at the high-end restaurants or something like that. So that they've got a shot. Mm. Um, and, and guide them through making the decisions that need to be made now so that they don't end up one of those statistics, right? And so when we kind of came up with that concept, David and I were just on fire. Okay, let's do it. And that was a year and a half ago, and, and last October we opened our affiliate, and right now we're working to fill our, our slots with these kids in these neighborhoods. So uh, That's fantastic. So is your affiliate set up so that it operates like a normal affiliate yeah. where you have regular members yep. coming through as well? Or yep. how did you guys pair the two? Yeah, yeah. So so we the, the CrossFit affiliate is its own affiliate through CrossFit Inc. It's all legit. Um, we used funds that we raised through the nonprofit to get it up and running, and it's functioning inside of our building. And so the overhead is extremely low. Um, everybody that works with our Deo, we raise our own support through a network of donors. So the coaches that work in the gym are not paid. The, the, I guess the main coach that's in the gym is not paid. And so we can literally be as sloppy, if you will, as, <laughs> as we need to be, you know, with our time, we don't have to be like, Oh man, I got to have 90 members or I can't break even or whatever. Right. So, but yeah, it's an, it's a functioning gym. It's open to the community. In fact, our, our desire is to engage our CrossFit community also in this work, even if they're not Christian or, or, or anything like that, but just have, give them an opportunity to give back to the, to their own community of Rio de Janeiro as well. So. Right, right on, right on. So, uh, so Andy, where do you fit in the mix on all of this? I know, uh, Brian was going to defer to you on a couple of statistical things, but, uh, where are you coming in there? Yeah. So, I mean, just to go back to that statistic real quick, um, it's staggering. I, I think if we really think about it, I grew up in, like I'd mentioned bef- before, um, hmm. inner city, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, at times I didn't fortunately have to go through that high school system, but when you think about it and you wonder when you look back at your graduating class, did you lose anybody before you graduated due to probably a homicide or, you know, some kind of drug overdose or something like that? And a few might've, but that's not the majority. And I think that's the part that really, when I read about that and was looking into this job, that that was just an opportunity to go in and, you know, fix or not fix, help um, have a guide. real impact. Yeah, have yeah. a real impact yeah. on, the, in the, on these communities. And I, you know, mentioned previously that I had um, some brokenness in my, in my life. And, um, but we'll get to that later on, I think. Um, so where I came in is I'm a CrossFit level two and I love CrossFit. Um, initially for that re- reason, he had mentioned, you know, the, uh, maybe D- David had mentioned, um, you know, falling over, completely exhausted after a workout, <laughs> just spent and competing. I loved the competition aspect of it more than anything. Uh, the community part of it came with that, which was amazing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to own uh, a CrossFit gym as CrossFit Amethyst um, on Oak Harbor, Washington for six years with my wife. Uh, and we actually sold that gym October of 2020, which is when... Ardeo Global actually opened up by chance. It was just something moving behind. I was like God moving behind uh, the scenes for us um, because it's not anything we could have ever aligned if we wanted to. So, Were you you guys looking for another opportunity at the time or did it just sort of fall in your lap? We were looking to step into ministry in some aspect, um, but never at all missionary work at at the time. That had not crossed our minds. We were looking to actually be mentored by... um, a pastor and his wife in our local community. 
because um, we're a little bit outside of the traditional, um, you know, going to school range. We, we've already developed and established our life. So just to drop everything seemed a little bit unique at the time and we still own the gym. So we're looking for an opportunity. And that's when we said, well, we want to be prepared and ready if we are fully called to go into ministry. So that's when we made that choice to sell. So, um, but, but you weren't necessarily thinking that would be somehow related to CrossFit, right? No, not at all. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, if we're being completely, I almost was ready to stop, step away from CrossFit. You know, um, it did a lot for me um, for a long time, but eventually yeah, I found the ends of that rope uh, in and of itself, and I had an unhealthy relationship with it. You know, it was all about competing. I'd actually gotten injured a handful of times, and... Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to ever shine cross in a bad light at all. I think when done the right way with a good coach and a good program, it's an amazing tool. Um, but that's exactly it. It's a tool, but I had made it my entire life. I'd probably actually made it my God. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, where I kind of came in. Right on. So it was like your top priority at the time. Huh? Oh, it was. Yeah. That's Everything else was to the wayside. Yeah, it's, it's a long time to put something first. And yeah. I think people, you know, a lot of times forget what commitment looks like. And sometimes it looks like that. And sometimes it's not healthy, mm-hmm. you know, right. at the end of the day. But um, I'm curious. I know both of you guys are coming from the Christian side of things um, in the modern world as, as to whatever, whatever that term means. Sure. Right? In the modern world, you've got, you know, a bunch of different types of religions that people are looking to philosophies and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Christianity always gets the tail end of the stick, you know? <laughs> Like uh, Christianity is the only one that's not cool. Yeah, right. Right. Every other religion seems to be cool, but not Christianity. Why do you think that is? Uh, that's a great question. And I'll let you go plug ahead. it. Oh, do you want me to go ahead? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I viewed it the same way, to be honest. Uh, up until two years ago, I was called back. I mean, I'd heard of Christ before. I'd been to a handful of churches, but I'd walk completely away from any kind of faith. I would say I leaned more towards being agnostic, but even then that seemed... Yeah, I was getting very close to calling myself an atheist at some point in time. Yeah. Every, um, every smart physicist is. And that's exactly what I wanted to be, right? <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You know, I wanted to be seen as intelligent, and that's what the modern society has said. You know, here's science. Science proves things. And so I didn't want to be viewed as unintelligent, so I'd continue to just move with that. And I'd face some hardships at other points in my life. But, yeah, going back, uh, so... I was in the Marine Corps for a little while. Uh, and so from the day essentially, or whenever the last time I was at boot camp at the chapel there until Easter of 2019, I didn't step foot inside of a church. And I wouldn't say I was a, a believer. So it's not like I have come through or I've always not raised in the church and maybe didn't, I don't have the highest or did not have the highest view of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, in my opinion now, um, a flawed view, but. But sure. maybe you can hop in from that point. Definitely. Yeah, why Why is it not cool? I I, I think, I mean, we could have a whole episode on that, um, probably. <laughs> is I, it just because of the Christian rappers? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. So <laughs> Certainly the ones that I grew up listening to. It very well could be their fault, yeah. Uh, there's um, a few coming around that are, yeah, you know, yeah. they're okay, but maybe I've just kind of convinced myself to that, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I You know, I think, you know, America was founded on Christianity. Um, from the very first people that came over, they were breaking away from even the Catholic side of Christianity and, and being Protestant Christianity. So this is a Christian nation and we've gone through this process of maturing as a country. And so Christianity is kind of like this, I mean, that's kind of what our heritage is, but it's not really what I'm all about. And I, and I think that's why it's gotten kind of that, that rap. It's kind of old news. 
And I think what, what I would say to that is there's been a lot of lousy stuff that has happened everywhere from Christian rappers to, uh, to human beings that made mistakes and they did it in the name of Christ. And, and that has caused a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly you have also the, the postmodernism and the, and the, and the idea that, well, everything can be explained through science. We don't need God anymore. And, and I've even heard that, that argument that man created God, God didn't create man. We created something that we needed to have to explain everything that happened. And so I, I think my, my perspective on that is, is rather than try to defend Christians or Christianity, um, my response would be the reason why I am a Christ follower is because of Jesus, not because of Christianity or the church or a pastor or anything like that. Because if you go back and strip away everything you know about Christianity or you think you know or history of the church or anything like that, and just go back and look at who Jesus Christ was. And if you can bring yourself to the point of accepting that he was a real person and, and likely did the things that are recorded that he did. I mean, he says things that still make sense today that goes against who we are as natural human beings. Like he said, if someone steals your cloak, give him your tunic as well. Well, using modern language, if somebody steals your jacket, give him your sweatshirt as well. And you just think, wow, I mean, who does that? I want to kind of be that kind of a person. I want to have that kind of peace in my life to where I don't get angry at somebody who does something against me. I'm going to recognize he has a need. Maybe I can meet it. And let's, I'm going to give him my sweatshirt too. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff is, is for me is extremely compelling, but that gets so overshadowed because of the Christian rappers or, or, or some pastor that does something stupid that, makes everybody look bad. Right? Yeah, that's an interesting story. I mean, I think the lesson being that you shouldn't form attachments. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't be attached to things. Things are temporary. Yeah, for sure. You know, just like Yoda says in Star Wars, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Yoda probably has more fans. Uh, I, I don't know. But, He's a very um, spiritual person, Yoda. Yeah, very much so. But I think it's interesting that there's so much wisdom in ancient books. Like right. pick your ancient book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some people who swear by, well, okay, the Bible is the only book that has wisdom. Right. And I think those people give Christians a bad name in yes. a lot of ways, right? I agree. Because if you find wisdom in that book, why can't you find wisdom in the Bhagavad Gita, for example? Absolutely. Or, or something like that. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. Um, and you're right. Those kinds of folks, and that's why I don't defend Christianity and I don't defend that guy. Um, I don't defend people who have a rallying cry against homosexuals. I, you know, those guys make it very tough for us um, to try to just, when we lost our, our jacket, give our sweatshirt away as well. That's what we're trying to do. You know, you know if you're going to judge, judge on our actions. We, we don't have a reason to go into these slums and help these kids out other than feels like that's what we're supposed to do, right? And, yeah. and let's give away a part of ourselves, whether that's our resources or our time or our energy. And, you know, I've been doing this so long that I know that when you do that, you're like, man, so lucky that I, you know, I got to have an impact on this kid's life. And I can see, I can physically see how this is changing the course of history for that kid um, and what that means. Right. And so. Can you describe that feeling? I mean, I think uh, it's different for different people, but I know for myself, when I teach someone something and I see the light bulb turn on or I provide some guidance or advice that helps someone achieve something that they want to achieve, that that feeling is unmatched. I'm just curious if you can put it into words. So um, we can get into this a little bit more if you'd like, but I didn't start out on this path. I started out on a path of 
building a business empire. Yeah, tell me the story. So, so I, when I was, I, I remember. So I'm a little older, maybe, than some of the folks on your on your in your audience. But um, what are you? 25? 44. <laughs> um, you look good for 44. Well, thank you. I, I'll take that. Sexy dude. Um, so in the 90s, I was growing up in the 90s, and Bill Gates, you know, Windows 95, and and he became a billionaire when he was 20 something, and the richest man in the world when he was 40 something, and and so I idolized that guy, and I wanted to be the next Bill Gates, and I didn't want to have a million dollars, I wanted to have a billion dollars, and so um, my whole life was dedicated to that, but I also at the same time um, really began to seek after spiritual. Um, truth and 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 wanted my life to have some meaning, and so I was kind of being pulled in, in two different directions. And and a long story short, I felt like God was calling me to give up the whole business thing and and serve Him as a missionary overseas. And literally, I literally said out loud one day when I was feeling tormented by these thoughts, I was like, God, why would you want to misallocate your resources in such a terrible way? Like I would be a terrible missionary. I would be so bad. I don't want to preach. I I don't want to, you know, I, I pictured myself wearing the most ridiculous, like, um, like safari suit. They you know, do look, that, missionaries yeah. do all look the same. I'm a, coming from like, when I said like, I didn't like what I always remember looking at the idea yeah. of a missionary. It's like the same cargo pants yes. with, the, with these, I don't even know what brand shoes they are, but it looks like they were going to go on a hike at any point in yes, time. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the image and the, the dumb hat. Be prepared, man. Yeah. And, and a Bible in one hand and a machete in the other hand, I was like, I am just not that. I don't want to do that. Um, and it's funny because a few years later, I actually have a picture of myself in the jungle <laughs> with a machete and a Bible. But Did you frame that bad boy? I've got it somewhere. I've got, got it somewhere. Got to frame it up. Nice. But, um, you know, it's kind of a cruel joke, I guess. But anyway, so I was being pulled in these two directions. And I and obviously, I ultimately accepted that, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I literally sold everything off and shut things down and handed things off. And, and my girlfriend at the time, we got married. And then a year later, we moved to Guatemala. So, and we've been in the field now for 16 years. We've lived in Guatemala, Argentina, Peru, Ecuador, Brazil, and we're just now coming back to live here in the U.S. Um, and where were we going with that before we got off on that? Well, you were just telling me your story. Oh, the feeling. Yeah, okay. and getting to the feeling of helping people. So what does that feel like? So I remember one time um, I was literally in my bathroom with my wife and this other woman um, that was a part of a, a, a mission that we were doing in Peru. And we were sitting on the floor of my bathroom and we were crying um, because the woman had um, had left an abusive relationship and we were mentoring her through this process. And she had two beautiful little girls and and we just loved her. Her name was Damaris and we just loved her to death. And she came over one night and she was banging on the doors like 1130 at night, banging on the door that the, the boyfriend had come back um, forced his way into the house and threatened to kill her. And it was just this brutal, brutal situation. She already had bruises forming on her arms where he was like pulling her around and everything. And so she came in the house and, and so we didn't, so we put her kids in, in bed with our kids and, and, um, went in the bathroom and shut the door so we could kind of talk in private. So we're on the floor crying. Right. And she, out of her mouth, she said, maybe I should just go back to him so that he'll calm down and we can stop all this violence, which of course the three of us know that's not going to stop anything. Right. And, but she lived in that environment, grew up in that environment. Her father was abusive. And so she was just trained to 
accept I did something wrong. It's my fault. Um, the way to fix this is to say, I'm sorry, you're right. It'll never happen again, whatever it was, the offense. And Jill and I, my wife and I, obviously we know that's not the right track. And so we're mentoring her to choose something different and that she has value in God's eyes. She has value in our eyes and she doesn't have to do this. And the right thing for her daughters and for her is to not go back. But of course she has to make that decision. So I share all that story to say, we're there on the floor and we're crying and, um, praise God, she did choose to, to leave and she moved out of her house and she got a new place that he doesn't have a way to get in because there's a gate at the front and all this kind of stuff. And she had to be really, really strong to do that. Uh, and later I was telling that story uh, to a group of people and I said, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be the next Bill Gates. I thought I wanted to be this mogul on top of this mm -hmm. empire. But I tell you the truth. There is no place I'd rather be on earth than on the floor of my bathroom crying with Dom Reese, coaching her through that process and seeing her choose victory and seeing her choose that she has value and that her daughters have value and that she has values in the eyes of God. Um, there's nothing more satisfying on earth. There's no amount of money you can make. There's no status level that you can achieve that would compete with knowing that you were used, it wasn't me, but I was a tool used to help someone take a new path in life. So that's the feeling. That's amazing, man. That's absolutely amazing. Was that early in your journey? Um, no, not necessarily. That was uh, in 2013. So we'd been at it for seven or eight years by then. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, we have other stories. That's a really good story yeah. that I like to share because it literally transformed the lives of that woman and her two daughters. And we have, we have a really fun picture of, of, of the day that Domerice got baptized in the church and her two daughters are looking up at her, you know, one on one side and one on the other side. And I always show that picture and I say, you know, when Domerice was the age of her daughters, she was looking up at her mom being beaten by her dad. Yes. And here her two daughters mm -hmm. are, are seeing her be a kind of a leader and a pillar in the, in the church and in the community. That's amazing. Yeah. That is that amazing. Right, yeah. There's a, have you guys seen the movie, the crow? Oh, um, the older oh yeah, movie? yeah. Yeah. Long time Way ago. back. Like uh, Bruce Lee's Bruce Lee's son, son, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a great line in that movie and it, I, I forget the quote, but he's quoting a philosopher and it basically the line says, mother is the word for God on the lips and hearts of all children. Mm. Oh, that's good. And every time I, every time I hear a story like yeah. that, I think of that quote because it's true, right? In in those ages from zero to six, oh, yeah. we're programmed to become who we're going to be. Yeah. And much like the story that you have about, is it Damaris? Am I yep. saying that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Perfect. You know, we have women coming through our gym who, um, yeah, I had a woman who didn't want to share the fact that she was working out with her husband because he controlled the finances and he was abusive. I have women coming through who are overweight and whose dad has literally thrown plates of food out the window and called them all kinds of names wow. under the sun, right? No, that's like, disgusting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just like, uh, it's amazing. You know, damage comes in so many different forms and yeah. it takes so many different faces and, and, and aspects of life um, into account. And it sounds like uh, the partnership with CrossFit, you know, yeah. uh, would be sort of a match made in heaven to, to create that end result that you guys mm -hmm. want to create. Yep. <clears throat> and so I'm curious, you know, what you see as being like a long-term sort of end result yeah. from that partnership with your, your affiliate yeah. and, you know, what are, what is it long range on the horizon that you feel like you could bring into being? Yeah. 
long-term, what we want to do is we want to train a hundred coaches to go open 20 affiliates around the world. Wow. And that's our long-term goal. Just any and every country? Any country. So, you know, if somebody came to us and said, you know, I really feel drawn to Nepal, or I really feel drawn to Iraq, or I really feel drawn, you know, maybe some from the, from the military wants to go back and serve the part of the world where they were serving or where they were um, making the ultimate sacrifice. Japan would be Japan. great because it's such a hard exactly. country to reach already. Exactly, yeah. Russia, you know, whatever. Um, then we want to train them on how, not not necessarily how to run an affiliate. That's a part of it, but how to use the affiliate to actually make an impact. And and in Rio, we have the slums. In some village in China, maybe some other challenge that they can meet, right? But it's the same concept. Figure out how to use this tool to make an impact in your community. Mm-hmm. Now, did both of you guys come from, I would say, Christian uh, backgrounds or homes or no? I did, yeah, for sure. Now, okay. we were a business family, but but we were Christian business people, yeah. Okay, so that's where your duality came from, I guess yeah, you'd say. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, how about you, Andy? So I'd say yes yes and no. So my um, early years, I think you just said the formative, and that would have been, is great, zero to six. Mm-hmm. I would have said that I was going to a, a pretty um, a Baptist church, and my mother and father were actively like participating in the church, um, I believe. You know, my mother would teach like children's ministry and my dad would do some uh, Bible studies and we were getting brought along, you know. So I was definitely brought up for those years to know of who Jesus was. Um, I even remember saying like I believed in Jesus and what he had did in his death and resurrection and then being baptized. But then it all kind of like started six years old. right? Yeah, six yeah. years old, right around that time frame, very early, but enough that. I could, I had a general idea at that age, you know, that's what I could understand. And I understood that, you know, and from there, unfortunately, you know, um, my parents made some choices in their lives um, and, um, you know, some brokenness, I think from their lives, um, you know, the way they're brought up, I think there's just some neglect and some abuse from their parents um, that they just hadn't healed from. Uh, so my dad turned to, um, I think, back to drinking. My mom was drinking heavily at this time. Um, pretty young, don't remember at all. But eventually my dad went to rehab, and my mother was stuck trying to kind of take care of us. Well, he was trying to do the right thing, and the church was walking with him. I didn't know this at the time, obviously, but he went to rehab for six months down in Florida. And we're from, uh, this is Kansas City, Missouri, so he went down to Florida. It was a huge thing in the uh, unfortunately, my mom wasn't able to carry that burden uh, successfully, and so she abandoned us. Um, and luckily, um, or I should say thankfully, the church at time had taken us in. Now, yep. when you say she abandoned you, what does that look like? Like you came home one day and she was just gone? or, or what Yeah, is, pretty what close what that to that. Like? So um, unfortunately, and once again, I've absolutely forgiven my mother um, You know, for anything that's kind of taken place, and I don't want to ever shine her in a light that's not true um, or you know, hurt people, hurt people. I know we, we say that a lot. And so, um, I can only imagine what she had to deal with and what brought all this forward. Yeah. She was Uh, doing the best she could. Yep. Absolutely. That she had for sure. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there was a few times where we would, um, get locked in our basement kind of for some extended periods of time. I think it was, um, so she, the last I knew was, um, paranoid schizophrenic. Um, so I don't know if that was already taking place. I believe it was. And then eventually, um, I remember some stories, uh, she would share with me. And as a kid, you didn't, you know, you don't really understand what she's saying all that much. And now I realize maybe she was struggling already at that point in time. 
Uh, I remember her specifically saying that, pointing at an air, an airplane and saying, oh, you see the airplane, son? I was like, yeah, no, I see it, mom, like flying, you know? And she, she's like, it's watching us. And I'm like, mm. if they come, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, mom, because you don't mm. think too much about that. It's, I don't know if you're trying to be funny. I wasn't picking up on it, but now I remember that. And just so she must have been really struggling at that point. Yeah, right. uh, so we have one day. She took my sister, so I had an older sister and two younger brothers, and left and didn't come back. Um, to be honest, I don't know exactly the time frame. It was long enough that somebody realized that we were on our own. Um, I do remember, I think it was probably the person that initially called. Uh, my brother told me this story not too long ago that we lived in a, an apartment complex where a lot of, um, yeah, just poor and uh, underprivileged kids live in that environment. So there's like a food pantry or like a help house, uh, there. And my brothers and I, um, <laughs> not in a, like a, um, <laughs> we didn't know it. It's funny to laugh back at, you know, to look back and laugh at it. We went to the food pantry and we didn't know cause we'd been there plenty of times. We just assumed my parents were paying for food. Oh, right. So we didn't know how to get food. So we were, we were still in the food and a lady food. Came for food and for free, you know, it's free. It's for everybody. And so the lady came up to my brothers and I, and it was like, Hey, you don't have to take that. It's, you can, it's free. It's free. And like, you don't have to steal it. You can take it. And we're like, what are you talking about? Acted like we yeah, right. hadn't taken anything. So, you know, so it was, I think maybe that was one of the first people or maybe one of our neighbors in the apartment complex. Uh, eventually we got taken in by, um, my great aunt and uncle and some other people, um, had, yeah, just brought in the community aspect and just really um, took care of us. And through that, the church was always kind of in the back. So Bible Belt, Southeast Kansas. Yeah, right. The church is there. There's a lot of people that go to church. And so um, I think we were pretty broken just from what we'd experienced at that point. So I think my great aunt and uncle were just doing their best to get us involved in something. So we dropped in, dropped in, <laughs> went to a, went to a lot of different churches, um, but not regularly. Right on. Um, and then, yeah, I can, I'd say at some point in time, I think I mentioned it previously, completely end up walking away from faith. So um, I don't know if I really knew Christ intimately um, until 2019 when he call me back to his kingdom. So it hasn't been my entire life. So. Sure. So, I mean, I, listening to both of you guys uh, talk, obviously you're very committed to the mission of Ardeo. You're very committed to Christianity. And I don't think that that comes from nothing, mm-hmm. you know? So on, on some level, I'm just curious if either of you'd be willing to share an epiphany that you had along the way that's, that allowed you to commit fully to what it is that you've committed yourselves to. Yeah. I, I'd like to share that. Uh, so kind of what we were talking about a minute ago, that battle that I was in, I wanted to be a mogul. I wanted to be an, an, a, a, a business leader. And I felt like God was asking me to be a servant. And those two things aren't very compatible, really kind of in, in opposite directions. And I really battled for a year. I remember that I was, I, I, I was in the church and I was active and I was seeking after spiritual truth, like I said a while ago. And I I wanted to get that right because I, because I know, I know I've come to the point in my life where I know that there is a higher power and I, and I wanted to find the truth in that. And so I was seeking it. And as I was seeking it, I'm hearing that not just finding truth isn't, isn't enough. There's that I'm supposed to do something with it. And so, and so I'm wrestling with this and I'll never forget the day. It was June 1st of 2003. It's just etched into my memory that I really felt like 
God was intervening in the natural course of events. And I know this might sound strange to people and it's hard for me to explain it, um, how it happened, but a, a very long story short, I left, I was in, it was a Sunday. I was in church. I left the church and I went outside and basically had a, a screaming match with God. Right. And I'm, it must've been a, the most weird sight you've ever seen, you know, raising my fists and shouting into the air and there's nothing in front of me, you know, that anybody can see. And, <laughs> but I really felt like I was having this battle with God. And, and, and I was like, I don't want to give up everything that I've got. I don't want to be that geek in the, in the jungle with a machete and a Bible. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do this. And why would you, and you know, my quite the very sincere question, why would you take everything away from me that I value and make me go do something I'm going to be terrible at? Why would you do that? Um, like, like I can't think of a worse scenario. And I kind of got that out of my system and I'm out in literally, you know, sides of buildings, you have the, 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 the flower garden and there's a plant and then there's rocks and then there's a plant. I'm kneeling in the rocks and it must've hurt. I don't remember it hurting, but I'm kneeling in the rocks and I'm angry and, and so I finally stop yelling at God and I just say, all right, to myself, all right, I mean, if you believe there's a higher power, if you believe God is calling you, then you got to answer him, yes or no. And you know, the answer has to be. And, and so, so, you know, those of us in Christianity or followers of Christ, we, we hold dear the symbol of Christ hanging on the cross, right? He made the sacrifice mm-hmm. for us. And, and so I, I felt like I was hanging on the cross. You know, I'm making this massive sacrifice. And, and here I am, just so righteous. And I'm, and I'm <laughs> hanging on the cross. And I literally said out loud, may the misery commence, right? And that was my last line before I finally said, fine, I'll do it. And so I thought that I was entering into this terrible life. I thought that I was entering into this I'm just, you know, you know, like the Catholics, like if you do something wrong in Catholicism, then the priest is going to say, okay, do 50 Hail Marys and crawl on your knees up and kiss the, the saint or something like that, right? And so they, they have to do these terrible things. And I just kind of felt like that that was what I was being made to do and I'm just going to suffer for the rest of my life. But when I said, okay, let the misery commence and then in my heart, I said, okay, I accept. Like it was the first time I said, okay, I will give my life in service to others. And in that moment, instead of me feeling misery, I felt the highest level of peace that I ever felt before or since. I mean, I felt like this lightness, like I could have floated even. I mean, I didn't, but I just felt like, wow. Like I just have taken this, a ruck pack off, right? And, and that's now, one of the best feelings ever. Yeah, it really it is, is one of the best feelings ever. And, and that's <laughs> so the you got to put it back on. <laughs> yeah. That's the best example that I can give. I just felt like, Ooh, I just, sh- I just shucked or I just got rid of this massive. You let weight. go. Yeah. I let go. Yeah. I let go of what I was all bound up in and, and trying to give myself to something higher and amazing. Yeah. So very cool. Very cool. So one of the things that you had said in the uh, pre-interview was you're like, you know, we, we want to set this up so that we can benefit people and we don't care if you come help us out, yeah. right? Like we want to be non-churchy. Yeah, right. So what does non-churchy mean to you? If, you're, if your heart is moved by anything that we're talking about, you can come and be a part of this. You don't have to profess a relationship with Jesus Christ or, or, or be religious at all. But if your heart is moved by the idea of giving something of yourself, even for 10 days, so we, we have an opportunity for people to come for 10 days and, and engage with us and engage with these teenagers in, the, in these, these slums and maybe be an instrument to 
push that kid in a different direction and, and take him out of that statistic pile. And yeah, that's where I can kind of jump in and kind of give a little bit more of my the backside. So you heard my great aunt and uncle took took my brothers and I in, so they have two younger brothers, and then um, just bounced back and forth. Eventually, my dad was back in the picture for a little while. Unfortunately, he wound up getting deeper, uh, more deeply involved with drugs and wound up in going to prison. Uh, my mom never was really able to rebound. So um, once again, just people in the community continue to look after us. Uh, I love, I live with a man um, that didn't know us at all, my brothers and I, for um, about six months. My mom moved us in there and then just abandoned us again there, and he was just taking care of us and, I mean, doing a good job of it. Unfor- I mean, the state gets involved, and my aunt and uncle had us again, which was great. But eventually, as 15, I got uh, kicked out be, uh, from that household uh, from a disagreement. I wasn't the easiest kid to handle, <laughs> I will absolutely admit. I had a temper. Uh, I thought pretty highly of myself and ended up getting kicked out and moved in with my high school football coach. So he brought me in. He didn't need to. And actually three, so my high school football coach, my high school wrestling coach, and the principal of the school all intervened from the state and said, you can't take him off the premises. He's our responsibility right now because they were going to actually they had classified me technically as a runaway um so they're going to take me down to um it's called gerard um it's a juvenile detention center for boys and instead of them allowing me just i'm just another kid that is just you know broken or whatever else is going on just another kid off you know they don't have to deal with because they definitely have to deal with me pretty often <laughs> they all offered and my uh coach hudson is his name and so hudson Brought me in. He was your football coach? My football coach. Yeah, the head football coach. He was the eighth grade English teacher. Um, And he really just said, you know what? I know this is going to be a big sacrifice for me just to bring in some random kid. And he did. And he, him, and just all the different teachers and staff around him and the coaches mentored me, shaped me because I was, I would have headed for that. I already know who I am at my, like, at my core. And so I didn't have that direction. And I think it's a lot what we're trying to do um, Mm -hmm. in these specifically the favelas, but around the world, is to find what's broken and do our best to find an individual to plug into those. Mm-hmm. And I, I just personally happen to believe in the community of CrossFit because of being around CrossFitters for so long. I think we take that hour to recharge, mm-hmm. to better ourselves, to go back out into our communities. And I think that's it's been my safe haven, the gym has, to where I can kind of have that healthy relationship and then go back out into the world. Um, generally speaking, I didn't always have that, and I'm rebuilding that right now, you know, with CrossFit. But I know when the tools used the right way, the communities through CrossFit do great things. So. Yeah, absolutely. So it, how did you guys come together? I know, uh, uh, Brian, Andy's working for you. Um, what exactly was it that drew you guys together in creating this business relationship now? Yeah, well, once you – well, so we had just started kind of putting the um, – the word out that we had the need is that we're starting this initiative and we need someone who to really, to kind of really come behind it and champion the cause and someone who knows the CrossFit community speaks the language because we have a language all our own, right. Um, and can connect with CrossFitters, but is passionate about doing what we're, we're all about. And so now you can maybe share about how you found out about us. Yeah. Um, if you would uh, pull that mic a little closer. I didn't want to interrupt your, uh, your story a moment. No, ago, you got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think the um, if if it's okay, I backtrack a little yeah, bit to sure. be able to just tie it all together. Um, Absolutely. So once again, I said I, I didn't 
necessarily, um, I wasn't a believer, um, as of, you know, early 2019. Uh, so late 2018, um, my wife and I were, we had the most success we'd ever really had with our CrossFit affiliate. We're actually expanding our gym. Um, our membership was honestly through the roof. Uh, I was making more money than it wasn't that much now that I look back on it, but more than I had ever experienced in my life. And so I just was kind of on top of the world, um, at, you know, in some regards. And I think a little bit I resonate with uh, when Brian said he wanted to be a mogul. <laughs> I wanted to be one of the next CrossFit moguls. I, I saw an opportunity to kind of cookie cutter everything. You know, that how do you make a good coach? I can cookie cutter that. I, I've already made good coaches. Mm-hmm. I've, I have a amazing coaches on my staff, you know? And so how easy is this for me to cookie cutter this and then, you know, open up the next affiliate, open up the next affiliate and just keep going down that line. And unfortunately I didn't do that in a positive way. It became much more prideful and, and arrogance instead of me helping the community. It's like everybody look at how great I am and how much I've overcome, like came to get to this point. And so I actually had a pretty, um, and I only know this, everybody, I don't think anybody would have known that's how, where I was at. And it wasn't what I was always interested in. And it just something shifted in me and just clicked over where, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I would say that's the enemy, right? You know, whether somebody wants to say that's something internal to me or something outside force, but something in me became very self-centered and focused on everything being pointed in my direction. Um, and through that, I, you know, since I was making a little bit of money, I thought I can help my bro- my younger brother out in life and both my brothers really and give them what they were never able to have growing up. Um, that didn't happen. I tried to help one of my brothers out. And unfortunately, even when I did, his situation got worse. So that was a probably the first blow that had happened where, um, you know, this idea if I worked really hard, I would be able to change their future and I would be able to save them, you know, essentially be their savior. And I just wasn't able to do that. And then, um, some other stuff had come out and I was just like struggling in that moment, you know, with the purpose, I guess. And I had opened up a journal or a book I'd kept from when I was in the Marine Corps of my goals. And I remember as like, get my CrossFit level one, get my CrossFit level two, open up my own gym, get a hundred members, finish my degree in exercise science, do all this, whatever, all these goals. And to that point, outside of the degree, I had accomplished everything else and faster than anything on one of those goals. Uh, I have a beautiful wife who loves me and was super caring. I had just this amazing life. And when I finally sat in that moment and read that list over, I had no joy. I was completely empty. I would say dead on the inside. And it was in that moment, and it's, you know, at times uh, it's not tough for me to share now. I think it's something that we need to all realize that it was fleeting, everything I'd worked for. And once I finally realized I couldn't grasp happiness, that I didn't find a purpose in life any longer. So for a very quick moment, I thought, you know, maybe suicide was the alternative. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's right where I went to. And I'd never really struggled with that. I would say I had never struggled with that. I arrogantly thought people that struggle with that were weak and that I, yeah, that's just where I was at. I completely have a different view of that now. You know, they're definitely not weak. Anybody struggling in that environment. 
Good. And so when I came out of that, um, I didn't want to be another statistic. I didn't want to be another Marine that for whatever reason committed suicide, another service member, whatever you, you know, uh, I wanted to overcome everything else. And, but I didn't know why I felt that way. And so when I came out of that, it just made me dump that much more into the gym. And I just kept trying to give and give to fill that void that I just couldn't fill. Uh, so we kept expanding the gym and eventually I end up even opening a separate barbell club for it. Cause I was like, I'm going to have this exact package laid out and then I can, I'm going to be able to duplicate it eventually. And that is really kind of where um, my complete downfall was because um, I wasn't able to sustain it. I was overworking myself. I had developed pretty poor lifestyle choices. So as much as I was a CrossFit coach preaching health and wellness, mm-hmm. I wasn't living an ounce of it. I was a closet alcoholic, you know, just struggling with alcoholism on and off again. Um, I didn't want to be an alcoholic because that's what my parents were. So um, the world had convinced me, oh, you can use THC regularly. Nothing, once again, if that's something you could do. But for me, I was overusing it. I was abusing it. Um, I was addicted to nicotine to kind of help with the stress. I was constantly using caffeine to keep up with my workload. And on top of this, I was trying to be an athlete and I was doing an okay job at it just be. I don't know. The body's amazingly tough and I guess that's it. Um, but that all came to a head, um, eventually. And, um, and yep. Um, February of 2019, I actually had a mental health breakdown. Um, and, and involved a, um, an involuntary stay in a mental health uh, facility. And, um, I wasn't looking for Christ he found me uh, when I was completely broken and he picked me up. I rejected him after that moment. Still, I remember coming out of the hospital cause I'd had some kind of moment within there. And I said, that was weird. Well, I don't want anything to do with that. So I'm going to, I remember even sharing this with Brian a little bit ago, how I had said, well, I'm going to have to explain away why I mentioned Jesus or some kind of, you know, spirituality during my mental health crisis. So I'm going to have to tell everybody and write some kind of cruel joke. Well, I was going to write some kind of story about believing in Christ and I'd come back to faith. And at the very end of it, tell a punchline of essentially, I still can't believe you guys are falling for there's, there is no God. So like you felt like you had to explain away what was happening to you because you thought people would think you were crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hmm. I mean, and that's where I was even at because I didn't believe any longer. So I'm like, what is this? What is going on? Why am I having this reckoning moment, you know, in my life? And then, um, unfortunately, you know, fell right back into the same lifestyle habits and actually ended up going back a second time. And um, the first time I stayed for three days, the second time I stayed for eight days. And so this was in this Easter um, was when I went back the second time in 2019 and I came out and that's when I finally realized I need to start adjusting my life no matter what, because I had a wife that's been put through the ringer through all of this. You know, she didn't have a background in faith, had a husband that was on the brink of, you know, completely being probably institutionalized, if I'm being completely honest with some of the, my behaviors. And I just wanted so desperately to not fail her, but I didn't know how. Right. So uh, I finally, you know, I um, 
share that, you know, I was struggling. So I was addicted to alcohol, THC, nicotine, pornography, anything you could be working out excessively, anything that you, because I was broken, I didn't know how to cope. I'd never learned how to cope with my childhood. And I brought all of that forward and tried every worldly option and it wasn't working. And so that's when I finally, uh, yeah, I told Ryan, like I, God had stripped everything from me um, after the second stay, except for the nicotine. I could not quit that. And I was at some point, you know, disappointing my wife because I told her for our anniversary, I'll be done. And I just couldn't give it up. I was like, oh, just, you know, one, I'm only doing one a day or two a day, whatever it was, but I just couldn't give it all the way up. And then I remember I had opened up my Bible and I was reading scripture. Once again, I'm not in a church still. So I'm just, I had an encounter with Jesus wanted to know what he was about. So I opened up the Bible, started reading the gospels, didn't know at all what that meant. So started at Matthew, not knowing what Matthew really was and just started working my way through it. Uh, I don't know. I wish I would have written it down. I'm terrible at journaling. Um, read something resonated with me, got on my knees, said, I don't know who you are, but I want to know you, but I don't want to disappoint my wife. And I want to start living my life for you. Can you please take this from me? And in that moment, he took it all from me, started the healing process at that point. I've never dipped, you know, a day since then. I didn't go to any kind of form of rehab, didn't look into it, just it was gone. And so there was multiple other moments of, you know, him continuing to redeem my life and my marriage. Um, but that's, I guess, my testimony in a nutshell. Yeah, That's a, that's a powerful story, man. So there's something that you said at the end that I want to just touch on because I feel like this is a big hangup for a lot of people who are looking at or considering a particular religion, be it Christianity right. or whatever. Right. And that is, I think both of you guys, at some point in your story, you said, you know, he took it from me or, um, you know, God did this, mm-hmm. you know, to me or in my life kind of a thing. And it sounds, it's, it, it comes across, it sounds like a crutch. It's like, okay, well, you know, someone outside myself did this because I was, I was powerless, right? I'm this victim here. And I mean, what I take to mean from that is like, you're letting go, you know, you, you've made a realization and, and you're letting go. And I'm wondering if one of you guys can just speak to that idea, because I feel like that's one of the most off-putting ideas about Christianity. When you talk to newer people, it's like, you know, they think, uh, well, you know, so-and-so is using it. They're just using it as a crutch. It's, you know, it's just, right. an ex- it's a good excuse right. kind of a thing. I think for me, um, in, in my story, in, if, if I was the one, so, so I think for Andy as well, we made the choice. It's not like we switched our brains off and, and said, okay, somebody else can take over now. Because not free it. will, right? Yeah, free exactly. Will. Yeah. Believe free will. We do believe that we have free will. I believe we have free will. And, and I think that that's kind of the powerful part of it is that I, I had to choose. I do as well. I struggle with it because of some of the people that are so stuck on reading the Bible literally and some of the verses. But yeah, I absolutely made choices to say, I, I want to be in a relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that for me, it, it was me making a choice and at the same time recognizing that while I want to be God, <laughs> I, yeah. I want my empire. I want to do what I want to do, that there's something higher, higher. There's something bigger. Mm-hmm. There's something more important out there than me. And when you get to that point of that realization, um, that's a powerful thing to realize that it's not all about me and it's not all about him or you or anybody. There's something else out there that's, that's more important. Now, if you don't believe that there's a higher power, that's going to be wacky. You're not going to understand that. Um, 
but it, 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 for me, it's not, um, there is, <laughs> there's no way that I'd be where I'm at right now if it were up to me. If I were, or I should say, if I were making the decisions that I wanted to make, right? And at the same weird time, as I'm making decisions that I think are what God wants me to do, I'm recognizing that's what I'm supposed to do anyway, and I'm fulfilled there, and I'm, I, I, I'm not this in this miserable life that I thought I was going to be in, right? But I made the choice. I wasn't forced to do anything. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, piggybacking off the same, the same idea is, if saying like an outside force or something like it's finally realizing you're not God. Mm-hmm. Cause trust me, I, I mean, I wanted, you know, we all want to be to a degree. Right. And there's even some people, you know, that maybe believe they're a God, but change the color of your hair, you know, one hair on, on your, for me, I finally got a couple of uh, white, white hairs. that didn't go gray <laughs> on my beard, but you know, you, we can't, we're not, but we can go love one another I can go try to give back to the community because how many people loved me. And I don't, I don't na- naturally want to always do that. There's some parts of me that definitely do, but there's some parts of me that don't want to give back at all and just really be selfish. And that's what was really strange because I wasn't that way kind of as my, as I left the Marine Corps, I look back and I really see this kind of almost happy go lucky guy that was just ha- just super pumped to, throw a barbell around and give somebody just an hour of their day and just love them, you know, as they came through the doors. And I don't know where I lost contact with that, with myself at, and it switched over. And I really wanted to be that, you know, how many affiliates can I have? How many people can look up to me who, you know, and not to throw any names around, but there's plenty of big affiliates. How can I be that next one that has a hundred thousand followers where everybody is paying me to program for them, you know, to do this easy work. None of those guys are all working really hard, but for myself, I convinced myself it'd be so easy to do that. And maybe I was going down that path, but I was going to lose my myself and my soul in that. And maybe it could have worked out, but I'm glad it didn't. You know, it sounds like on your path, you basically just lost your purpose. Like you were, you know, you you had this vision and then you, sounds like you more or less fulfilled it. And then it's like, now what? Mm. You know, and and one thing I know about men, especially, is that once we, once a man loses purpose, he will tear down everything he built to find it. Right. So, it sounds like in your story, that's kind of what you that's did. good. I like that. You, yeah. Yeah. You you created what you you created your vision, and then it's like now what? Mm-hmm. You know. And so you had to break it down just so to find purpose again, right? Yeah. To be, no. Yeah. Uh, just step back into that. I think it's right on, and I and I think just another degree of how great. I will say the God we serve is, is if you get to hear about how he wanted to, or how our deos, our missions, a hundred coaches and 20 gyms, and then you were to ever independently hear what I was wanting to do for my own glory. It's funny to me now. God's like, well, you'll get to do that, but for his glory. And that's something where uh, one of the athletes going to be going on a trip, uh, I don't know if you guys are super familiar. I know regionally uh, CrossFitters, uh, but Mitchell Stevenson is going to be going on one of the trips. And I share the same thing with him. And he's like, he's the one that said, that's funny that you just said that. And the fact, and just bringing those two pictures together is you're still going to get to have that purpose and that mission, but you're not going to be able to do it 
just to glorify yourself. Right, right. So what do you see as some of the challenges that you guys are going to have to face and overcome? I mean, you've obviously been in the field for, what, 16 years, Mm -hmm. 15, 16 years. Like, what are some of the things that uh, you feel like, you know, are doable but are going to be challenging? Yeah, I mean, anything, you know, opening an affiliate is a challenge. Anybody who runs an affiliate knows that or runs a business knows that that's a challenge. But I always say that the only limiting factor, really, that we have, it's not money, it's not the logistics of a business. It's not the business plan. The, the, the biggest limiter is how many people are willing to say, Hey, I, I, I want to, I want to do this. I want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just having people that have that heart that we're talking about. So a little bit ago, you, you asked, well, uh, you talked about not being churchy and, and obviously we're, we're wearing our faith on our sleeve and we're being really honest and raw with you about how we personally feel. But truly, if somebody feels like, yeah, I want to make an impact on someone's life. And I, I'm not doing it from a Christian perspective or any religious perspective, but I, that touches my heart. I, I, I want to give back. I'm, I'm always doing things for me. I want to do something for somebody else. You're welcome. Because we always say there's never enough people to get done the job that we want to get done, right? There's another kid out there that we need to reach that we're not going to be able to reach unless somebody says, I'm in. And so that's always the limiting factor. There's never enough people to get the mission done. So that's part of why we're here. We want to get the word out. And if, if your heart is touched by, um, by this, we, we want to engage with you. Absolutely. So that's a perfect segue to my next question, which is, you know, what are, I know you mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast, how, uh, you know, some of the ways that people could get involved, but maybe talk a little bit more about the specifics around that. Sure. Like what does someone need to do if they want to become a missionary? If someone wants to do a temporary trip, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah. Why don't you want to talk a little bit about the mission trip and compassion trip in September and yeah yeah so we have a um, hold of you yeah no compassion trip going down uh, September 2nd through the 12th uh, so that'll be the 10 day stay it's going to a shortest one that we uh, offer and that's once again open to everybody to come down um, it's going to um, Rio de Janeiro and once again CrossFit Nations and the easiest way um, for you to get information on that is you can also uh, check out the website. So Ardeo global, um, Ardeo.org. or Ardeo.org. Yeah. Um, A-R-D-E-O.org. Yeah. And you can find out a tab underneath the mission strip. Um, and there's a CrossFit, um, nations and go underneath there and fill out that information. Um, but also you can give me, um, a direct email. So it's a Stanton at Ardeo.org. Um, Stanton is S T A N T O N. Um, and then, Send me over your information and we'll get in contact. I'll reach out, give you a phone call, or we can set up a Zoom and just chat and give you more of the insight into what that trip looks like going down, um, the costs associated with it, how we can help fundraise some ideas we have uh, so you don't maybe have to front all that if you're not in the um, financial position to be able to do do that. Uh, if you are, great. Um, and then uh, what we're going to be doing, did we touch base on that already, what we're doing down there on those compassion trips? Well, yeah, I mean, we're just reaching out to these kids. So yeah, you talked a little bit about it. So we have 15, we have space for 15 athletes to come down, coaches or athletes. And each one of them will be paired with one of these kids that's in our program and just spend the week with them. And at the end of the week, we're going to have a competition, a partner's competition. So the athlete with the kid that's in our program competing with everybody else, you know, and their partners and make it, make that really fun and and a a way for kind of like a parting, uh, building that friendship that we hope will last forever. You know, you can continue now with, with Google translate, you can communicate with somebody who you don't speak their language. Right. And so we're kind of hoping that that mentorship would, 
would last uh, long-term with those people. And of course, too, you're going to be in Rio de Janeiro, so we're going to go to Christ the Redeemer, that statue up on that hill that Rio is famous for. and All the photos. And yeah, the yeah, all the photos <laughs> of the world and the best beaches in the world. You know, we'll do all that stuff, too. So it'll, it'll be some fun mixed in with with uh, uh, giving of yourself to change someone's life. so Right on. So first step would just be reaching out to Andy yeah. on yep. something like that. And then you said it lasts about a week. Yep. It's 10 days, September 10 days. 2nd to the 12th this 10 year. Days. And so that's kind of like level one. Yep. Is there anything that goes beyond that? Yeah. So uh, like I said, we're looking for 20 or for a hundred coaches to go on teams of five mm-hmm. to go start affiliates wherever. And we don't have a list of countries where we want to go. We want to see people coming who have a heart for a specific region of the world. And, uh, and yeah. And so the, the first step would be actually, if you're serious about doing something longer term, like opening a box and, and starting this kind of a mission is to come and spend a few months with us in Rio and get trained on how to actually do that. Um, again, not necessarily the CrossFit side, but just how to use your affiliate, um, as a, as a tool to reach the community. And inside of our network, we have the funding apparatus to get the funds that we need in order to get that gym up and running. Um, again, it's not a money issue as much as it is uh, people willing to go and do the, do the hard work. That said, if you have been blessed with funds and you want to contribute to this, also ardeo.org, you can go there and, <laughs> and make a contribution because we rely on our donors as well. So, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Cool, man. So um, I think at this point, I'm just curious, you know, what does success look like to you guys on these mission trips or on this venture as a whole? Great question. I always say, you know, for me, the most satisfying on these, these trips, and we've done lots and lots of them. We've had thousands of people come down and and serve um, anywhere from a week to a month. And I always say, you know, people come down to serve and it's kind of old hat to me when people say, I can't, you know, crying or whatever, I came to serve these people and I got more out of this than they did. And that's <laughs> really satisfying to me because that's the sitting on the bathroom floor with the lady that's crying kind yeah. of an event where they are getting so much more out of it than they gave. Not that they didn't give much, but that the people who go to give end up receiving just as much, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how people feel guilty about that, right? Right. Oh, I right. think there's a, a struggle with that. I, my, my wife, uh, so she got to go back. So she's a quarter Filipino. So she got, got to go back to the Philippines, uh, not 2020, 2019, late 2019. And that's the other thing I remember about Seattle. Lots of Filipino people. Lots of Filipino. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of Filipino, lots of uh, lumpia. Right. Yeah. So that's what everybody uh, is always looking for. So she went back there and then just leaving, even just, it was a vacation, but just, that was her first time being exposed really to that level of poverty and, you know, um, just a heart for people. I think instantly she was like, how do we start helping these people out? She has family there, but also just the general kids. She, I think if she could have legally brought home two kids with her, <laughs> she would have like, there's two young boys that just, they, they weren't in a good spot and they're super kind. And she even did a little video chat with them, uh, with me on. And, um, we, there was no way for that to happen, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is what I would love to see for success is that single impact of a kid that's really changed. Yeah. I think that's what happened for me. And to know I could be in prison, jail, or successfully contributing to violence and gang activity. I That was the path I was heading for somebody, um, my coach, but the community around them came and intervened and steered me in the direction of fitness and sports. And if it wasn't for that, 
that's, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And so that drastic change, and that's what we're looking for. So for, you know, one of us or one of you uh, to go down on the trip um, and meet one of these kids right where they're at, encourage them, help to start shifting their perspective on where they can wind up in their lives so that they can go back into their communities, whether that's immediately or years down the road to really, like I said, have a change in the favelas for, a, a you know, a greater good than just themselves, you know, cause they probably don't have a lot um, to look forward to um, outside of that gang life. And it's appealing. Uh, if people don't realize that when you're in the inner city, that, that lifestyle is appealing. Yeah. You protection, camaraderie, family, family, yeah. money, exactly. you know, so a lot community, of those community, like we talk about in CrossFit all the time. That's yeah. Right. So I think Absolutely. that would be it for me is just, you know, the f- seeing those kids change. Okay. Uh, that just light bulbed me right there. Yeah. Alternative community, basically yeah. um, that kind of summed it up for me. Are you guys doing anything domestically or all international? Well, if from a CrossFit standpoint, yeah, it's all in the Rio de Janeiro for now. Okay. Now, if somebody came to us and said, Hey, I'm not going to move to Bangladesh or something, but I want to do this here. We'll figure it out. Let's do it. I know. Right on. So uh, CrossFit Nations, let's hear it in Portuguese. CrossFit Nations. Ah, I'm going to have to practice that. <laughs> I had to get it on uh, on the recording. Awesome. So my, I appreciate you guys being here. Is there anything else that you guys would like to promote or say about what it is uh, that's coming up on your calendars or that how people can get involved before we close out? No, I think a Stanton at ardeo.org. Maybe throw your phone number yeah, out my, and text so, you. Yeah, uh, so phone number is uh, 760-718-9848. Feel free to give me a text or a call. Uh, I'm super happy to talk. Uh, text is a uh, ask Jason. Uh, I was yeah, yeah. Uh, blowing him up uh, trying to get this organized, <laughs> so I felt bad about that. Yeah, super nice dude. Might look scary with the shaggy beard and, oh, and the tattoo sleeve, but super nice dude, right? Teddy bear. Exactly. I'm a teddy bear. No, really, I am. Exactly. So I appreciate it, guys. I thank you so much for your time. And my last question is always the same, and you guys can take it uh, one at a time or or either one, and that is, what does wellness look like for you? You want to take that? Yeah, wellness. Um, uh, let's see. I think wellness is really uh, all-encompassing. Um, I think there is a huge component of nutrition that I didn't take seriously for a long time, and I got away with um, not doing that correctly. My wife's working on that now. I have a pretty weird mm-hmm. relationship with food, uh, do, probably due to some uh, wrestling and some other stuff, but working that out. Uh, so whole foods, getting those in, drinking water regularly. Um, I, I, I love CrossFit, but any kind of physical activity, um, every single, I'd say every day to some degree, uh, find what you're going to be committed to. I think consistency is going to be key in that aspect, um, with the nutrition and, um, the fitness. So whatever allows you to do it regularly for an ex- hopefully the rest of your life, whether that's CrossFit, jujitsu, whatever gets you moving, hiking, you know, go do that. And then I think the biggest component for me um, that tied it all together is the spirituality for my, for myself. I found that in Jesus Christ um, and having an intimate relationship with him and allowing him to heal a lot of the brokenness that the world brought my way. And that I also brought myself because I'm absolutely accountable for a lot of it as well. So that's wellness uh, to me. Beautiful, man. Um, Brian, you want to take a stab? Sure. So I would just say that, the human being is a mix of body, mind, and spirit. Those three things, even someone who's not maybe religious or spiritual, it'd be pretty hard to convince me that we don't have a spiritual side to us. And so 
I think wellness has to touch all three of those areas. Um, you know, that word balance is such a goofy word and I don't even know how to achieve balance, but, but not sacrificing your physical at the expense of your mental or your spiritual to your, you know, all three of those need to be something that you feed every day. Those things need to be things you are concerned about and that you care about every day. And if you're not balanced in, in those three areas, you're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be well. And so I think all three of those things, because that's the three components of the human being. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Andy Stanton, Brian Tibbs with Ardeo Global. All right, CrossFitters. Now you know where to go if you want to plug in and help someone other than yourself in the gym. Get after it, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.